0: Welcome to a very special and epic edition of Wrestling with the Future. I am Angelo DeCibbio, joined by the happy haberdasher Dan, the man Sebastiano. The question Dan has been asked from time immemorial, whatever happened to Eddie Mansfield? The man called the Continental Lover, whatever happened to him? Tell everybody what happened to Eddie Mansfield.
1: Well, that is the question. Whatever happened to Eddie Mansfield? Uh, Eddie worked in the spotlight as a professional sports figure for many years, first as a professional baseball player, then as one of the top ten professional wrestlers worldwide. Eddie held that excuse me he, that prestigious position for more than a decade before endeavoring to pursue a career in television. Uh, a move to New York enabled him to do what he enjoys doing best, which is produce television programming. Uh, as an Emmy Award-winning producer and well-seasoned veteran of television, Eddie's credits, both in front of the camera and behind, are very impressive. He appeared in numerous national television commercials for Prudential, Tire Kingdom, Continental Tire Company, and the Muscular Dystrophy Association, with your uh, estranged father, the late Wolfman Jack, to name a few. Uh, so, please, would you welcome the to the show the Continental Lover himself, Mr. Eddie Mansfield?
0: Eddie, hey welcome, guys. brother.
1: What's well,
2: I'm. So glad how to are be you, my friend? Continental Lover. Angelo, a lover, 230 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, a rich woman's lover and a poor girl's dream, and never forget it.
0: Amen. Mate, the young women wound and the old women scream, right? (laughs) Hot damn. (laughs) (laughs) Brother, I'll tell you what, there are names in professional wrestling that the mention of these names evoke emotion, both good and bad. Names like McMahon, Russo, Bischoff, Pritchard, um, (laughs) the Iron (laughs) Sheik. We love them. Uh, And the name that precedes all of these names is the name Eddie Mansfield, right up there with Dr. D. David Schultz and John Stossel. And uh, I'll tell you what, if no one knew who you were before, the world became well aware of Eddie Mansfield, (laughs) the continental lover. And I'll tell you what, brother. There's a lot of people. You know, even today, you can't mention your name without without evoking some kind of like people either want to pat you or punch you.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, you. It, it's it's really strange because, you know, uh, you probably the, saw the Viceland episode I did. Uh, yeah. As well as as you know, I I gave twenty twenty the highest rated show they ever had, and but. As, as I'm preaching to the choir, but what I was trying to accomplish was, you know, as a professional wrestler, we're pro athletes. We're some of the greatest athletes in in, in the history. Yeah. And when, when you compare us, I wanted them to compare pro wrestling and the benefits against Major League Baseball, NFL, National Hockey League, and the NBA. All those are billion-dollar industries. And when I did 2020, there was over 35 territories. And Vince McMahon was taking over. And when I did that, our business was a billion-dollar industry. Now, it's a multi-billion-dollar industry.
3: Yeah.
2: And what, what does the promoters give you back for making them millions and billions of dollars? They can't even let you join SAG, and AFTRA like other actors who would have insurance and health benefits.
0: That and was and you know work. what? Yeah, and Eddie, I'm going to stop you right there for a second, because, and I don't want this to be lost on, on people. Um, it's, it's critically important that we preface this by saying the reason you went on 2020 to begin with was not to expose the business. It was to get guys' health coverage. Exactly, and and, and I don't they... want that to be lost on people. I'm sorry. So continue. Good.
2: No, and so and you're absolutely right. And you know, John Stossel went and made it an ego piece, and didn't even they barely mentioned the benefits or and all that other stuff that I I I you know I stuck my neck on the line for. And uh, I would have done this show if I would have known it would just be a, an ego piece for that little bastard. And so, and yeah. That's
0: what it wound up <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and I actually, and I'm not going, I'll never give away the uh, the contents of our private conversations, but you and I have talked about that and I and I will tell people, you know, Eddie, Eddie Mansfield scratched the tip of the iceberg on this issue. Trust me, it goes deep and it goes long and far. Um right. people Eddie, if people understood how deep rooted this and I'm just gonna say it like it is, it seems to me like the promoters they bear animosity toward their employees rather than first of all, they don't even call them employees, just they're like contractors, independent contractors. But we're we're called 1099ers. Exactly. Exactly. So tell everybody, Eddie, the implications of that. Well, what
2: happens is since since I did uh, the 2020 piece, there's been over 200 and probably 50 guys that died. And the majority of yeah. them died because they couldn't get health benefits and get health care. They couldn't afford to go to a the hospital. They couldn't uh, afford to do this. And take care of themselves. And and yeah. that's that's a sad reality.
3: That's, it really it's is, Eddie Absolutely
2: you... a sad reality. And and this I mean, now I'm the guy that made Vince McMahon tap out. He
0: well, a lot out. of people he, say he, and, he, and I'm gonna address I, that because I actually had a rather spirited debate this week, Eddie, and I want your input. And then I'm going to throw it to Dan because Dan's got a shitload of stuff to talk about. Um, It was said to me by a very, very well-placed source in the business this week because they knew that you were coming on. They said to me, Vince McMahon directly as a result of your appearance on 2020, then... And only then did he decide to declare himself sports entertainment. And Dan knows where I'm going with this, and he's going to talk to you about this. Um, Your piece, and it's not a stretch to say this, your piece on 2020, as, as I described this week on our show, it redefined professional wrestling. Dan, you want to pick that story up?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, that's actually where I was going to go with my first question. Um, Eddie, first, I want to thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I started in, in the business as a, a columnist and wrestling historian. That's kind of where I came from. So needless to say, it's impossible to study wrestling history without your name popping up a lot. And I guess I want to ask where Angela was going with that is the the big moment where Vince McMahon declared that that professional wrestling is fixed. It's not a real competition. And and that opened the doors to certain things. Do you think, first off, do you think that that wrestling would be where it was in the boom of the '90s with the Monday Night Wars and with New Japan expansion and all that without y- your interview?
2: Well, that, I, I think that that I helped. Um, I shine the light on a on a, a dark and dingy industry, and and I shine the big spotlights on the big fat rat. That, that ran and hit and and what happened was I I took it from the seedy buildings of of you, you know of where wrestling people thought of wrestling and I put it on the big stage.
3: Indeed and when you I did. put it on
2: the big stage, I I shine the light on an industry and guys that should be paid more and treated better. And kayfabe was invented to keep the wrestlers under their thumb. That's all it was. L.A., we didn't have kayfabe. New York, there was no kayfabe. Only in the, in the more of the southern states and, and that where kayfabe existed. Because, you know, you can go back. I can send you programs where I was headlining the Olympic Auditorium in Los Angeles.
3: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: back in, in, in the late 70s against Chavo Guerrero. And and I can show you at the bottom of that program in really fine print it will say these are exhibition matches under the guidance of California Athletic Commission.
1: Well, well, then to to expand on that that uh, Vince McMahon's big thing was he didn't want to pay the fees related to That's it. Uh, athletic That's licenses. Right. That's it. Did, with that disclaimer that this is this is an exhibition without straight up saying this is fixed or a work yeah. um did did, you, did that prevent that coverage did that allow you guys to do the shows without having to pay the competition costs associated with the California Athletic Commission
2: Yeah what it did was
1: um uh, only thing that we had to
2: do uh in Los Angeles was was uh, they followed the guidelines of having a doctor there and and most of the time there was no doctors in any arenas, as you guys know. And Dan, especially being a historian, you know, there was no doctors there. But yes, in, in California, the, uh the way they got away with it, they would always have a commission doctor there. But they wasn't paying the commission fees. Well, let me have you oh, I'm they, sorry, go ahead. They said it was they said it was an exhibition. So you, you cannot that's like uh, charging Hollywood, you know, to put on a, uh, a a Rocky fight for Rocky two or three. You know what I mean? So right. it, it, same same difference.
1: Well, let me let me circle back to the first point Angelo brought up. You mentioned health insurance, and you talked about um, the, the 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 reasons behind it. And it's funny because you mentioned actually Rocky is a good example. I've been to. A, a boxing event where they filmed for a TV show and they had to come out, Hey, the next half hour you're going to see is scripted, blah, blah, blah. I, I imagine those actors were better covered than, than the wrestlers are. So let me, let me give you the floor for a minute. I mentioned being a wrestling, historian. and I started as kind of a wrestling purist in the mindset of your, your Eddie Graham's, your Vern Gagne's, your uh, you know, Jim Cornette's, some of whom are openly not fans of yours. And, um, Explain from that perspective as as a younger uh, to to put in perspective, I'm 37 as a younger uh, person looking at wrestling history, your position, because all everybody knows is the edited piece and the John Stossel and the slap and the fact that you expose the business and you're a snitch and a fraud and all these horrible things that have been said about you. So. Set the record straight to to someone like me as a as a as some as you're explaining the actual history of how they came about, why you decided to do it, how they approached you, that kind of thing.
2: Well, I wasn't one of the top ten guys in the business, and I drew money everywhere I went. Uh, like like in San Antonio, me and Scott Casey set records, and and in, in, in oh, the, yeah. the Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we do the largest crowd in San Antonio wrestling history. And, uh, at that time, uh, at the at downtown San Antonio, and then they, they tore the building down and built the Alamo dome over it. And then that, yeah. then Shawn Michaels came and broke my record, but Shawn Michaels at least gave Scott and myself credit. For that was one of the top three matches at the Cauliflower Alley Club. When he was, he was given an award, he said that was one of the top three matches he's ever seen in his, in his whole career.
3: That's and so fact. That
2: was pretty, yeah. That's that's pretty good stuff. And so you know, Shawn Michaels, he has a lot of me. Jose, Jose Lothario trained him, and Jose told him to copy me. You know, because I could get over, mm-hmm. and. I drew everywhere I was. I, we I have been as a single and as a tag, and my my tag team partner was uh, David Schultz. We we got over in Pensacola and Knoxville, and and then my other partner was uh, in St. Louis was uh, Gary Gordy, Bam Bam Gordy. Yeah. And so you know I I had a good run. Until, you know, I, I I had a good run in Atlanta, too. But Ole Anderson is the one who really stuck it to me. And because he couldn't get Ric Flair. That's the deal, guys. He couldn't get yeah. the boy Ric Flair. So he got me. I didn't well, I'll tell you, Eddie.
0: Um, I'll, I'll tell you something about that. I know that story. Um, and I know why uh, the decision was made. Uh, and it was... It may surprise you. It may not surprise you. But when it, you know, it all comes down to one thing in this business. It's all about the money, right? And and Oli was looking to save money, so he got, you know, he got the, the you know, in his in his words, the cheap knockoff. You know, he didn't get the Rolex. He got the, uh, the you know, the Rolex look-alike.
1: Got the Folex.
0: The pole exactly. <laughs> you know.
2: Well, but, you know because when I when I first went into Atlanta, me and Austin, Idaho were partners. Yeah. And um, and we got over pretty strong, and then Ole came back, and that's when you know, he he cornered me and and Wahoo and and in the showers, and uh, at TBS, mm-hmm. and that's when he wanted me to kick back twenty percent of my money to him. And
0: we heard that.
2: You know, well, you probably know what I said, so I don't I don't need this.
0: Yeah, (laughs) well, I will tell you, uh, Eddie, in the interest of full disclosure, and Dan will tell you, uh, Mrs. Wahoo McDaniel, Karen McDaniel, is one of our dearest friends on the show. She's a huge supporter of the show, and she's been on here, what, Dan, four times, five times? Yeah. Karen's been on here at least four or five times, Eddie, so. And you know Karen, and I know that you know Karen. She doesn't hold back. Yeah she went to the yeah. uh, eddie well wahoo let me tell you
2: something i wahoo got me to go in down the southwest yeah. championship wrestling out of atlanta you mm-hmm. know and i had a guarantee plus and and then i was able to you know get over i got over really big in san yeah. antonio i popped the scott casey and myself popped the territory oh i'll I'm tell you what
0: you guys yeah. were nothing but money, brother. I got news for you. I spoke to yeah. Scott this week. Um, I was going to bring him on the show, and he said, no, he just wanted you to have the show to yourself. But Scott <laughs> and I talked about that. You're laughing because you know Scott. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. And Scott that said. Nanny that nanny Goat
2: guys... rider. That nanny Goat rider, man. Let me tell you. Yeah.
0: But yeah, he said you guys were just nothing but green all over.
2: Yeah, I made him enough money to buy a ranch.
0: <laughs> I heard.
2: <laughs> I heard. Go ahead, Dan. Well, so yeah, it's yeah. Like... Go ahead,
1: guys. You know, it's funny. Angelo will tell you. We've had him on the show before, and we, we usually stay away from the match history, but you can't. He can't tell the stories without some of the kind words he said about you, and your your staying power is uh, very much prevalent. Which is leads me to my next question. Actually, um, in in recent years, with the current quality of the product declining the way it has, um, a lot of the uh-huh. old territory tapes and the the old you know Memphis and and Florida and the AWA, a lot of these old tapes. And, and territory matches have been gaining prevalence and in a lot of new audiences. And I'm curious is, is you, ha, have you noticed a resurgence of sorts in, or at least a, a, I don't want to say a, a increase, but, but uh, you, has your popularity changed at all as, as the era that you wrestled has become a lot more popular with younger fans?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, as far as uh, being a, a recognized figure, I'm going to always be that. And, uh, and I'm really, you know, thankful that, you know, they're getting to see some of the Southwest championship wrestling tapes with me and Scott yeah. and, and the stuff that we did. I mean, cause it was revolutionary stuff that we did and it was <laughs> really cool. And we were like two of bulls, you know, and if Scott was supposed to win, I won. If If I was supposed to win, Scott won. And we were throwing curveballs and all this other stuff all the time. You know that bastard got me stabbed about four times.
1: You know. <laughs> yeah, I <so>, heard.
2: <laughs> so it was, you know, I had I had a lot of heat. They wouldn't let me go anywhere
0: by myself. I had Larry told Lane me, with me. There was a story, Eddie, about a woman stabbing you in the butt cheek. Is that what happened? No, they, she she stabbed me on the arm. She was oh, okay, gotcha. He was trying
2: to cut the co- little
1: cotton off, you know. Oh
2: no. <laughs> yeah. And I hadn't even got oh, to the shit. damn ring yet. I hadn't even got to the ring yet.
0: I was and gonna so- say I heard that story about this woman trying to stab you, but yeah. you know, they the, the you know the person telling the stories is a Scott said he thought he was they was trying to stab you in the ass, but this woman no. was, was trying was gunning for you, she had a knife. That's crazy. Yeah. stuff. Let me ask you a and question. Ian it. and I have had this conversation before on the show. I need you to settle something for me. Why do okay. Southern wrestlers not translate up north? Well,
2: they. Uh, well, they really would if they would would be more. Uh, you know. I got over like a big, big shot in New York because of my tape in, in Los Angeles going into the city, you know, and mm-hmm. all the fans. I would get so many fan letters uh, in the Los Angeles office from New York. I translated yeah. because I, I didn't, I came across as a a better person. You know what I mean? That, sure. That I, I could put two or three words together and, and really do some really cool stuff and, and, and I was high profile. Sure. And, 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 and that's what you have to do to draw up north. You have to have, you just have to talk and you have to be able to get over not only on a microphone, but in the ring, you know, like today, guys, I'm going it, to, it's different. You know, that I was, I was taught by some of the best serious and what I'm Terry Funk and, and One, one thing about it, today's wrestling is completely different. Oh God. In my day, in my day, you worked a house show differently than you worked TV. You had to work television and really get yourself over to put, you know, the butts in the seat, 18 inches, you know, apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was real good at that. And I could draw, I made it personal to people, you know, it's like, you know, just for instance, say if I'm in, in Texas, I look at him. I say, you bunch of nanny goat riders. I've never seen a cowboy since I hit Texas. I said, you call yourself cowboys out here? You're nothing but a bunch of goat ropers. And 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 you make <laughs> it personal.
0: You, make you know, it personal Eddie, whether you, whether you know it or not, and Dan, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Tell them the truth. The other day, I asked a question. I said, what? Happen to heat? Why is there no heat anymore? Eddie Mansfield just answered the fucking question three days mm-hmm. later. Yeah. It, that's you what? Gotta, because you got to you know, make it personal. They're, that's it. They're afraid to make it personal. But that's what heat is. It's personal. Yep. Yeah.
2: And that goes. I, and that's what you have to do. You have to make it personal to the people at home. Exactly. You know, I, I I'd look at them and say, you know, you you, you, old, you you old fat butt old guy, you sitting there and your wife is looking at me, wanting me, and there's nothing you can do about it. Because you're <laughs> going to buy a ticket Sunday night, and she's going to sit there and just goo and ah at me because you're not as good looking as I am. <laughs> you're not as talented as I am. That's why they call me the continental lover. And they, and that's why she looks at you like you're the <laughs> ugliest thing. You look like the south end of a northbound mule. And that's when you start making it personal <laughs> to guys,
1: you know? Right. <laughs> you, you know, in that same conversation, uh, I brought up something that's, that's hilarious. In that same conversation, I brought up something that that's been hurting a lot of the the, the pr- uh, presentation is the overly scripted promos where it, the, it's obvious. Thank even you. somebody with charisma, it's obvious they're coming out and, and li- you can't deliver the heat bringing promos that you were just talking about with us with a script. You just physically can't because even if you say the best lines and the, it's obvious that it's rehearsed, it's obvious it's recited and it doesn't have the same impact to see somebody well, it doesn't you know,
2: because, you know, you look at me I, hey, when I hit Texas. First thing I did when they interviewed me, I said, let me tell you something about that Rexall Ranger at Nanny Goat Rider. When I get through riding him, he's going to be having a plastic saddle when I get done with him. And and stuff like that. Because that you guys can't write promos for me because I'm too damn Thank dirty.
0: you. Let me stop you. Because I got a problem with this term. It's a, It is an oxymoron if there ever fucking was one. The term promo class how do you teach a promo when a promo by definition is spontaneous off the cuff you're the king of off the cuff promos well
2: you know that's what made me draw I, i i could i could talk on the mic and i could work in the ring
0: you Your mouth you got something. you in trouble, but it made you a lot of fucking money too, brother. I got news for you. It
2: certainly did, and and I and I sold out a lot of arenas everywhere. I know. And you know something? I could I could work with a broomstick if I had to.
0: Yeah.
1: Do, That's
2: how good was.
1: Speaking of the heat, do you think that part of the reason you took the flack you did for the sixty minutes segment is because? And I mean this in the in the most complimentary the way possible I to told, your talent. Told, yeah, twenty twenty. So 2020. easy to dislike you.
0: Yeah, twenty twenty, Dan. We don't
2: want to oh, get no, shot by twenty twenty. Hey, I gotta hey, I, I gotta let you know, guys. Twenty uh, sixty minutes wanted me, but I, I had to tell Harry Reiser he was too damn old to get in the ring with me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let, let me let me, I apologize. Let, let me let me rephrase that. Then, your 2020 okay. interview, do you think the reason you took so much flack for it, and I mean this as a compliment to your talent as a, a to generate heat, is because you're just so easily unlikable, or at least you had such so many people that already disliked your character?
2: Yep, and that's what made me draw. It's I the, mean, the illusion.
0: It's the illusion of being unlikable. That was your job was to be hated. And people forget right. that now. You know, people right, you forget know, that now your job was to be hated, booed, spit on, uh, attacked, you know, had your tires slashed in the parking lot. If they're, if they're slashing your tires, you're doing your job. Well, let me tell you something. That when I had,
2: I, When I had to drive into like the Hemisphere Arena in San Antonio, they had to throw the gate up at the back of the building and let me drive
3: inside,
2: where they wouldn't destroy my car. I was I had the the, I had the you're not believe this I had the president the president of the Chamber of Commerce and the whole Chamber of Commerce coming to watch me, and he would drive me and I'd cover up you know all the way on the back seat of his suburban where they couldn't see me when they drove in right. And then, right. and then I'm going to tell you a story. You know who the king of Texas is, don't you, in country yes, music? Yes, sir. George Strait. And so George Strait and the ace and the whole band. Well, yes, I know sir. George Strait. He's a friend of mine. And so I I invited George and the ace and the whole band, the Hemisphere Arena, down in San Antonio, because he lived in Bernie, Texas. He had a ranch down there. It still does. And so I had, uh, you know, Lenny Denton, the grappler? Oh, sure. Okay, well, Lenny Denton's dad, Ed, and I, had, I told Ed, he was promoting some towns for Joe Blanchard and doing selling out. And I'll tell you a story about that in a minute. But And I told Ed, I said, hey, Ed, could you let George Strait and the Ace and the whole band in when they, they bang on the door in the back? He goes, are they going to be here? I go, yeah. I said, but knock on the door and get me where I can shake your hand and let them, you know, welcome them and tell them do not cheer for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they'll get killed. So, so you know they came in and you know they got their seats and George and his wife and and this whole band. He's a real cool dude and I want to you know so much. So much is always said, Angelo and Dan about about it, you know some some stars don't really take care of their people. Let me tell you how, what kind of guy George Strait is. George Strait bought all the mortgages for his entire band, where they never had to worry about a place to live.
0: That's, that's a, pretty damn amazing. Good. That is remarkable. Well, I have to make you
2: work hard. You know, I think come a promoter couldn't do that for somebody. They can't even give you, they can't even give you health benefits. Yeah. And, and we I, have, uh, that's why I have a I have a real problem, and I have a problem with that today. There's no sense. All right, you're like AEW, WWE, they're going worldwide. Yeah and, and it's entertainment. They're on USA network, they're on uh, Fox, and you can bet Sean Hannity's ass has coverage, you can bet yeah. uh Dana Perino has coverage, you can mm-hmm. bet uh, all the rest of them there has coverage. Right. But how come a rep, sir? You know, it's like I've made this statement and I know people get hot at me and they just they just fucking get hot with me because the bottom line is Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves
0: but he damn sure didn't free the pro wrestlers. Amen. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, 2020 has been a horrible year all around, but it's been particularly hard on the world of wrestling. We lost uh, most recently, of course, uh, Road Warrior Animal. We'll, we'll talk about him at the end of the show. But, uh, you know, James Harris, Kamala, uh, died from diabetes complications.
3: Mm-hmm. They had to well, have a GoFundMe
0: know- for him. I mean, what yeah. what does it come to, Eddie, when you have to have a go fund me for a guy who should have coverage?
2: Well, I, I that's what I'm 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 pointing out. And also don't ever forget one of my dearest friends in my life. That was Rocky Johnson.
0: Yeah. Rocky mm-hmm. Johnson passed yeah.
2: away. And and um had the best drop kick in the business, man. And you know. They play, they talk about The Rock, but they The Rock can't handle Rocky. Rocky was the best. I mean, he was really good. I look yeah. I look at, at Rocky Johnson as as the Jackie Robinson of pro wrestling, because yeah. when he came in, he he drew everybody, and that's the way he he had an outlook on life as a babyface. You know, that sure. I'm, I'm all the people's champion. I'm just not a black person or a white person's champion right. or a Italian or, or whatever. I'm everybody's champion. And, you know, if the guys would have probably looked at the way Rocky got over and got, got his thing, I mean, and, and handled himself as a professional, you know, maybe they can do a lot better because yeah. if you, if you could learn from the past, if they watch the the tapes in the eighties and stuff to what we did, it was amazing. Well, I mean, we drew and, and, and we were working six, seven days, 362 days a year. And, and, you know, twice on, on Christmas day and and on new year's day. I mean, they just bled us for everything they could get. And, and and when you're banged up, they don't want to hear that you hurt, you know, I'll never forget and Scott Casey was, he was banged up one night and he walked by chief Wahoo. Right. And he says, damn, I'm hurting. And the chief looked at him. He said, well, if you're looking for sympathy, alphabetically, it's between shit and syphilis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what, that's pretty much what Scott told us. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, Ed, I want to, I'm going to relate something that happened on the show recently with Dan and I. Uh, we okay. interviewed uh, Dominic DiNucci, 89 years old. Sharp as a tack. Oh, Dominic!
2: Yeah, I yeah. remember Dominic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dominic DiNucci. Now I want you to follow me on this because I, I I really want your your input, and I want you to have a a discussion with Dan about this. Dominic okay. is 89 years old. He traveled all over the world. Many times he had to pay his own trans, right? right? They were making maybe anywhere from 30 to 50 bucks a match, maybe maybe if they got lucky 75 or 100 from time to time. Right. These guys lived into their 70s, 80s and 90s. Guys today they've got guaranteed contracts. They're all pretty much millionaires. They don't have insurance and and probably never will. But the guys that were making 20, 30, 40 bucks a match back in the day, the old timers, they right. somehow managed to work smarter. They worked safer. The guys today are in the average lifespan. Dan, we talked about it the other night. The yes, average sir. lifespan of a wrestler, tell Eddie, tell Eddie
1: yeah on the uh uh currently the average lifespan of a professional wrestler is less than 50 and it's you know even he uh angelo mentioned road warrior animal the official cause of death was natural causes at 60 for someone who's supposed to be in shape that tells you something yet you see someone like a, a A Nick Bockwinkle or Vern Gagne or uh, a, you you mentioned uh, like Lou Thez and, and uh, some of these other guys that Angelo talked about eighty plus years old. I mean, he, Dominic Dinucci before our show was doing yard work for several hours. Like he 10 was still hours
0: that day, Dan. Yeah, he was
1: he was worn. a guy 80, 80 almost ninety years old raking his own leaves. You got wrestlers today in their forties that can't <laughs> bend over to tie their own shoes. Thank like, you. I, I'm, I'm wondering what and and if I may go back to a, a story from a show months back we had Magnum TA on and he oh, said yes go Ma- ahead. Magnum TA said that that when you got into the business you were wrestling 500 times a year minimum or you weren't making enough money to feed yourself yet you get guys today wrestle half that and are in significantly worse shape is it is there something maybe some insight you can give us as to why
0: yeah the, what are the, we the missing and what? right what, why which, is the, yeah what's the well, you, 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 uh,
2: what, well well i'll tell you a story uh this guy came up to me and he says hey um uh, i've been wrestling three years and i said well how many matches have you had he goes 30 And I looked at him, I said, hell, you ain't even been wrestling a month, man. I said, I wrestled more than 30 matches in a month. And I said, and what the problem is, guys, is uh, they they don't take care of themselves. They're taking, you know something, I never, if you ever watch any of my matches, and you can watch them all, and I never take a bump. Unless it was necessary, and when that bump, I took that bump, it meant something,
3: mm-hmm. and so Thank you.
2: all these all these guys are trying to work that lucha libre bullshit, and, and and you know, that's fine for Mexico if that's what you want. I mean, I went to Mexico and wrestled Mill Masters, you know, in the main event in the Bull Ring, but I don't wrestle Mexican style. Yeah, and so right, you know. What well, what got me over, guys, was that when I got my heat, I got my heat like a six-foot-six guy. And I'd move tables, and I'd, I'd, you know, I'm one of the very few guys that could get Ivan Pusky to sell.
0: Because You know, you just said moved. something. I'm going to stop you there, Eddie, because you just said something really, really critical. You're not a huge guy, okay? No. And, and that's the thing. But you work like you're a guy six, five, six, six. Exactly. That skill comes from being able to work. The problem, as I see it, and Dan and I have had this discussion on the show.
1: Oh, yeah, several they times. They
0: can't work. I mean, when you have to, Dan, please tell me if I'm bullshitting. When you have to open up your match with a five star frog splash off the top rope into a triple gainer into a split and then jump into a handstand and that's your opening set there's right. a problem cuz where do you go from there do you and I have jokingly said this before what do you set yourself on fire
1: yeah that's goes uh, to absolutely. and one guy did oh no and that's exactly what we were talking about is you you the, the spots like you were saying Eddie with working smart not taking bumps you didn't have to you watch these matches nowadays and it's it's a it's curtain jerkers lower mid card fodder and you know a, a, a power bomb off the second rope through a table and it's not the finish you have That's these great. ridiculous bumps 10 12 of them in a match and it's not the finish there's no grapple and and, and the problem is and correct me if I'm wrong because I want you to expand on this because of, of your history with with understanding the technical side when you get these superhuman feats of craziness 10 12 10 12 15 of them a match that don't go anywhere it kills the realism it, it and it it doesn't make the the match look like a real fight at all you and you know, your matches in Texas and and California and and some of these bits you had yeah it was it was scripted and you were working together but you guys still look like you were trying to kill each other if I'm if I'm beating you over the head with a Baseball bat, and that's not the finish. Clearly, we're, we're not actually fighting. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, that's that's the problem with today's um, too many independents that don't respect uh, the squared circle the way it should be. And, you know, they, they can say what they want about me, but I can guarantee you, you could put me in the ring with anybody right now and I could outwork them.
0: Here's the scary part, Eddie. The examples that Dan just gave you were not from the right. Indies. They were from the, the major feds, WWE right. and AEW.
2: Yeah, and that's the That's the, the scary I mean, part. Well, when you have 15 false finishes in a, on, a, on a TV match, right? Right, exactly. A TV match should never, ever go over three minutes and 30 seconds. And I'm going to tell you why. Because that makes it keep moving. And then you shoot your angles, you shoot all that stuff the way it should be shot. See, you got writers that have never taken a bump. Writers have, they think they know the business. But they don't know the psychology of the business. Yeah. And how in the world could you write a script for Wahoo McDaniel and uh, and tell him what to say? Yeah. Or a Ric Flair, or Eddie Mansfield, or Rocky Johnson, guys that could talk. You can't. You can't script me. I mean, because you're going to yeah. kill me. Eddie. I mean, because that that's not my words. That's some jackass's words. Who can't even talk him own stuff? You
0: know, it's like, come on, Eddie. I got to tell you something. Dan and I had <laughs> the most famous wrestling writer in the history of wrestling on our show. Not once, but three times now. A guy named Vince Russo. He's got one huh. of those names like McMahon. Mansfield Bischoff—that just draws the, the ire of people. I, you you either love this guy or you hate him. It's <laughs> clear that you're not a. F- Daniel, what are you
1: living? <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. But you understand? So talk, I have. Talk, I, to Eddie.
2: talk to him. So Dan, I'm I'm, I'm re- number one. I'm really hurt, Angelo, that you put me in the class of those two guys.
0: I thought I was. Still number one on the most hated, you know? Well, no, you heard what I said. I said before any of these names, there was Mansfield. You're the guy. Yeah. Let me tell you, look, at, at least you're the, a, a trend. Look, your whole career, Eddie, you've been a trendsetter, okay? Can, can we establish that?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, now, because you know if, and first of all we're going to have to address head on the 2020 episode because we really haven't delved really deep into it yet cuz I got a problem even today with John Stossel cuz I think he's a prick okay fuck
3: that guy yeah.
0: and I think he's a lying manipulative prick and if if you're watching Stossel fuck you um you, uh...
1: I was gonna say he he straight up called it. Eddie mentioned the the Vice episode. He straight up at the end of that episode, uh, as soon as I got that paycheck, all my symptoms went away. He admitted he was a lying Ed, piece of shit. Of course.
2: Well, he that's what it. I told you. I, t- exactly. I I've been saying that. I, if you watch any interviews I've ever done,
0: I've always said that. So who's the worker, the Eddie? World. Who Eddie? Who's the worker? Okay. That guy worked it like like a fucking pro. He worked it like he'd yeah, he had been in did. the business his whole life. Yeah, and here I am. I'm shooting,
2: you, you know, and really trying to get something accomplished for the, yeah. the professional wrestling business for the guys.
0: Exactly.
2: And this guy, he, he pulls out, because I told him not to uh, interview David Chilts because Vince was trying to get rid of him. And that he would get—it's in the transcript—that he would getting shit slapped out of him. That's true.
0: And he That's did, absolutely Eddie. true. Greatest I moment. want you to—you know what, nice. Eddie? Have that conversation with Dan. You and you and Dan have that conversation because I—I know too much about that, but and so I'm not going to tip my hat. Dan, why don't you pursue that line of questioning with Eddie?
1: Well, um you were saying the—the—the the, the earlier you mentioned that you they kind of edited your footage a bit and, and kind of presented a different side to it. Go go expand well, on that, then. The conversation you had with John Stossel, if you present this a certain X, Y, and Z way, you're going to make enemies. How did that go?
2: Well, they, they really just destroyed. I, I should have got final edit. If I'd have been a little smarter and been in the television business, you know, like I am now, I would have required final edit, and I didn't. And so Stossel, they just chopped it up and and kind of buried me and made him supposed to be a good guy. I talked to that prick on the phone one day, and I told him, I said, you know something, Stossel? I said, you wasn't shit until you met Eddie
3: Mansfield.
2: I made you a star. And I said, you got all that money. You didn't even bother send me 10%. I said, you Mm -hmm. should send me 10% of that damn money. And I said,
3: that's
2: the only reason your ass sat in that desk next to Barbara Wawa is because I got you there. He wasn't nothing but a damn old little little old reporter in New York, you know, doing doing his little bullshit. That's all.
1: Yep. Well, then, going off that, the narrative what you were saying where you you warned him he was going to get slapped was was do you think that that a physical altercation is what he was going for or was he more I'm going for that gotcha moment and he just had no idea oh, what he was no. stepping
0: Oh, I, I got to jump in here. Hold no, up. I gotta got to jump in here.
1: No, I'll answer that
2: question. He got a double gotcha moment.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. I think he was looking I th- to be honest with you, my my take then and my take now is that he was looking for somebody to crack him. Oh, yeah, that's what he I, wanted. Yeah, absolutely. He wanted somebody to wail on him. This guy went in there knowing, knowing he was going to walk out with a payday. And you know it, Eddie. You know it.
2: Oh, I, I, I know. And, and you, you know, they, they had all the other stuff that, that I said that I'm still saying today on the on the cutting room floor because yeah. it was an ego piece. You know, it was all about him suing. See, he had let's a motive address,
0: behind. Let's address the issue of how David Schultz even came into uh, that situation because my understanding was that they actually asked someone else to address the issue with Stossel. But my my inside source told me that it was Hulk Hogan who basically forced the hand of Vince McMahon to put David Schultz out there. Is that pretty much what you know? Well, I just know that that
2: he went everybody that I told him not to interview and show. You know, like my, my, my friends were the Briscoes and Dick Dick Murdoch and all these yeah. other guys that were my buddies. I told him don't don't uh, don't bring them into this because it's 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 me. It's not them. They're not doing anything. Yeah. And then I warned him about David that he would get whacked. Well, that's what he did. He 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 interviewed Hogan on Broadway and then then he went to Schultz. Then he, he, Vince, Vince went on there and said, Well, you know, he was, Vince likes any publicity, don't matter to him. But anyway, Vince, you know, just says, Oh, well, it would never happen in the, you know, the WWF Yeah. Well, it, it always does. How many families has he, he devastated? A lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, it, yeah. you know, David was kind of, set up and he clearly, he, he, uh, not only from vent side, but from the, um, uh, side. So, you know, he got, and he was, you know, stupid enough to go go for it.
0: And he, he bought it hook line. But you know, they always say, Eddie, you can't work a worker. How did David Schultz who, and I've had the chance to speak to him a few times. He's not a stupid guy. He's a really smart guy. How did he let himself open for that Because, they man, they laid in wait for him, they really did
2: well here's here's the word I always told him never to use was fake because professional wrestling yes. is not fake it's predetermined right that makes that that's a whole lot of difference oh yeah call, calling somebody fake than being predetermined, you know, and it it's no different than a stunt man. In, in the yep. movies, that's predetermined, but yeah. the fall filled the damn fall. is that. I mean, if, if I take a suplex off the top rope, I don't stop, you know, uh, two inches from, from the mat. I hit hard and, and that, that's not, that can not fake.
0: Yep. Is that all it, it took for David to pop off? Was that his hair trigger? Yeah. Fake. As soon as they that, said that, fake, that, it set him off. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. God, I'm That's sorry. I,
2: it's... And, and, and and any other wrestler, it would have set him off too.
1: Yeah, there's Ooh. there's several high profile uh Vader's interview in Kuwait, uh, Hulk Hogan and um uh, uh Richard Belzer. Yes, where where yeah. you 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 can't tell, especially back in the day when it was still protected. So. Um, let me, let me ask you something to continue there. Uh, you kind of, from, from, from the sick, uh, I almost said it again from 2020, you, you ended up blacklisted from, from wrestling and for a long time. So did the media, um, as far as, as people not want to do enter the, the kind of Stossel esque interviews, everything was, was very highly vetted and whatnot, I'm curious, is there any kind, other than the obvious, what we've spoken about already, is there hard feelings towards the business? Or is, is does your uh, emotion in this situation fall entirely on Stossel and his crew?
2: Well, I never had uh, hard feelings towards the rest of the business. I never quit the rest of the business. It quit me. And that came from Ole Anderson. Yeah. And uh, I have... Uh, I i have all the respect in the world for for every professional wrestler and um it's a tough business and you got to be tough to handle it you know in the right way i mean i'm you know it, to be one of the top guys you have to be a politician
3: oh boy you have to be <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, you have to be a great athlete you have to be able to 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 do um interviews uh that would draw crowds and it's a business always remember this
3: fellas yeah
2: it's called wrestling business
3: yep. without
2: the business there's yeah. no wrestling and you know it's like i always said about the nwa you know and and that was all a monopoly it was kind of like a, a, a an inbred of 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 all the fullers and the welches and and the Jarrett, they ran all the NWA. Yeah. You know, and the wealthiest, the pullers and everybody. So that was, and Barnett was their front guy. And oh,
0: sure. You know what? Yeah. Jim Barnett. There's a guy, there's a name. Let's talk about him for a minute. Eddie, you hear a lot about Jim Barnett. You know, in the interest of full disclosure, Jim Barnett was an openly gay guy. In wrestling at a time when it was highly unusual to be open about your sexuality. Barnett didn't care because he had enough money not to give a shit. Uh, He was a very wealthy guy. Let's talk (laughs) about his influence, especially in NWA. Because you mentioned a couple of names there. We've actually had, very recently in fact, Dan and I had uh, Ron Fuller on the show. And actually Ron's coming back in about three weeks in October. Um, He's a good friend of the
3: show.
2: I I used to live with Ron Fuller.
0: No, no shit. Yeah. Oh, I got to find out this story. Go ahead. (laughs) But uh, anyway, I'm going to
2: answer it with Barnett. Let me tell you about Barnett.
0: Yeah, please do.
2: the, The wrestlers and a lot of other people from the outside didn't realize he was a front for the whole wrestling business because he could get... Uh, he, he knew the television side of the business. Thank he's you. the one who who did the deal with the, with TBS and Turner, and he, he it's called the Gay Mafia, and so he's a part of that Gay Mafia, and he could go to his connections and make sure that 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 uh, contract with TBS remained intact, and that's what he did. And then he went and helped Vince McMahon secure the same right. stuff. Yeah, But, Ben, you know, he's not loyal to anyone.
1: <laughs> Don't we know that? Right.
2: And so, you know, he kicked, you know, he kind of threw uh, Barnett to the curb, kind of like he did Jerry Briscoe. I was just about to say. To the curb.
3: Yep. Just you fired Briscoe know, about a he, week ago. He,
2: well, the, okay, you an, you're a historian, Dan. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question. You know how WrestleMania took place. You know how that happened.
1: Uh, I, I know that that it was in. <laughs> well, um, uh, the the they were pitching because they loved their rhyming pay per views at the time, or rhyming events, I should say. I know that the idea being uh, it was, for lack of a better term, it was. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The they, WrestleMania was more of a. Lack of a better description it was more of a laundering scheme than it was an event. They were using it as money for other venues and banking on its mild success.
0: Yeah, I know how it started.
1: The colossal tussle—they actually originally wanted to call it.
0: You want if you want if you. Would, I'll give you. I want to smarten Eddie. Can I smarten my my young squire up a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here's what happened. Um, WrestleMania was funded. Almost completely by the sale of uh Jim Crockett's uh, WCW to Ted Turner. Um, they Ted Turner gave Vince McMahon a million dollars to leave TBS. Mm-hmm. That money was Turner Crockett money. Little did Jim Crockett know at the time, but his money. Which financed almost completely WrestleMania.
1: Yeah, am, that's I what I was,
0: am I am I there, Eddie?
1: No, you're you're right. That's what I was saying. They were using WrestleMania to to roll the money and they I, were getting for. If,
0: and okay. the guy who brokered the deal was Jim Barnett. And, and you and, know the aforementioned. You know
2: who's, now let me tell you this. Yeah. Here's 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 what went down. Jerry and Jack Briscoe, had control and interest of Georgia championship wrestling.
3: Yes. They, they sold, sold
2: their chair to Vince yeah. where he was in control. And then, you know, Crockett and them went ballistic. Okay. All right. With the Oleander, Black Saturday. And all that. And so, so they, they sold, Vince said, okay, you want me to leave? You give me a million dollars or two million, whatever it was. Yeah. And and he said, "I'll sign the contract over to you. You can have TBS." That's when Crockett came in first, and that's before uh, Turner took over and uh, Bischoff, you know, ATM Eric went into play. But yeah. <laughs> but he it, it, it went and had WrestleMania, and it was a huge success. And he even uh, banked his his you know, mortgaged his house and everything. So sure you know did. one. And one thing you got to give Vince credit for, he rolled the dice on the big one and he won.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. If he had never
2: won on WrestleMania one. He would have been out of business.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, right. it, it, it's pretty clear. And that's the story uh, that we've heard. And that's the story, Eddie, that we've actually told on the show. Um you know, I don't think Dan quite knew the ins and outs of it because, you know, he is just a pup. He's yes. just, I call him the young squire. Um, now,
2: Angelo, let me answer yes, sir. this. Okay, the 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 No Wealth Alliance, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I call it No Wealth Allowed in the NWA. Yeah. But next mm-hmm. time you have Fuller on, yes, sir. he'll tell you about the, the monopoly that his whole family had. And 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 ask him why in the world did did all these guys go running and and scared like like a shotgun went off right when Jeff yeah. started stealing guys like Orndoff and and other people and Hogan all that why did they run because they had all the 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 TVs in those towns. And and one of them said to me one time, well, they bought the TV that I was on. I said, well, hell, there's three other stations in the same damn town.
0: They would love to have your show. I'm said, looking at Ron's phone there? number right now. I'm half tempted to call. <laughs> okay. You don't know how bad i want to call Ron right now. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half well, tempted to call him right now, but then he'd get pissed at me yeah hell good oh, hello
2: for me, and so anyway, yeah, the bottom line is they couldn't run like a bunch of hillbillies,
3: <laughs> and they That's really funny.
2: did and yeah. and okay if you had thirty five territories, it's already been established forever, right, okay, why couldn't you just go make your new stars like you always have done in the past? Yeah. True. And I mean if you got thirty five if you have thirty-five, right? Territories. Vince only has town that he picks and chooses to run and mainly up north, what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah. I'm actually texting Ron Fuller right now. Eddie Mansfield says hi.
1: Let me, let me ask you something, Eddie. I sent it (laughs) while we were talking, you, you, you mentioned with the, uh, with loyalty and, and the NWA and all the, the, the purchase of of the Georgia time slot and this, the expansion and Vince kind of rolling the money where he would bring in the stars and make money and use that money to bring in new stars. Or I should say uh, somebody else's stars. Um, do you think that that model would have worked if, if the NWA had cooperated with itself? Or was that something that only an outsider could have done?
3: Good
0: question.
2: Well, if, if they would have stayed to the, the regular protocol of the NWA of building stars within, uh, it would have worked. And, and they would have still been in business today. Mm-hmm. But they all... They got scared of Vince McMahon uh, because he would steal their talent. You know what I'd do? I'd build that son of a bitch up, and I'd, I'd put him on a contract. And if, he, if, if, if Vince would have stole him, right, he would have had to pay me.
0: Eddie, the, um, the narrative for some time was that Vince McMahon went around to these various promoters that his dad did business with. And uh-huh. offered them, you know, large sums of money to join his crew, to join his group. Um, he was, the, the idea was that there was going to be this super fed, right? How many of those, uh, those promoters, those old territory promoters, actually believed that? And how many already knew that it was bullshit? Good question. Uh, because you I were remember. you were a, you were actually a part of that. You were steep well, deep inside the territories. Well,
2: yeah, I was in the NWA, AWA, and the WWF. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I was in all of those. And um, but the NBA, NWA, they were cut and run. And and that's just some hillbillies like it, selling moonshine. They got their cut and they they hit the hills. Yeah, yes. it was over. And and you know when you, you ask Ron Fuller, that'd be a good question. To ask Tennessee Stud. How yeah. I tell you, cut and run when Vince McMahon showed up.
0: Good question. Because Buck, will, you know, I Buck ask Robley.
2: Him that. Hey, Buck Robley offered to to run the damn thing.
0: We heard that
2: and he could have, he could have had, he could have had bruiser Brody, he could have had all these other guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We actually heard that. We actually heard Buck Robley was offered the, uh, you know, that, that head spot. Um, yeah.
2: And Buck was a great booker. Oh I worked God, with Buck sure. right after, right after, uh, Wahoo. Um, uh, Oh, Robley. I mean, I'll never forget. Oh, Buck, he, he came by to get me at my condo in San Antonio. And he said, hey, my boy, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. I said, Buck, I said, you must be stupid. And he says, why is that? And I said, and you must think I'm stupid. I said, the only reason you're picking me up, number one, you're the booker. And number two, I'm the hottest hill in this territory, and you're trying to get a robe ball for me. I know what you're doing, right? And Buck just died laughing, and 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 he would always, uh, <laughs> you know, when he dropped me off at, at my home, he would always say, "Call me, in, keep me abreast," you know. <laughs> so he, was hey, he, let me tell you, he was one of the greatest bookers in for ever was. <laughs>
0: Now let's talk about the uh, opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, a guy okay. who spent years and years in the business was a, you know a, a longtime champion but not necessarily known for his booking skills. Eddie, a guy that you worked for for a long time, uh, the late Gagne. yeah Vern, Vern um, he wasn't
2: really a great booker. And he right. had some guys in there booking it. it, it he should have let Wahoo book. Uh, Wahoo was a great booker. Uh, yeah. We popped that San Antonio, Texas. I'll never forget. <laughs> uh, the first show I worked with, with Wahoo was in Del Rio, Texas. And I plugged it with Gordon Soley off of uh, PBS. that yeah. I'm going to be in, in Del Rio, Texas against the Indian, right? And I used to call him a bogus Indian. you know, <laughs> So I'll be down there tonight. All I hear is about this Chief Wahoo. I see the bogus Indian, old drunk, little wooden Indian at, 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 at the liquor store. I'll see him tonight in Del Rio, Texas. Let's see what a legend, the of a, a legendary drunk looks like, Gordon. Soli, you know, and stuff like that. And, and yeah. that's the way you draw money, guys. You know what I mean? It's
0: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
0: And so,
2: that was really the first sellout Southwest Championship Wrestling had. I came and, and worked with Wahoo, and then we did a DQ. A, a and, uh, and then we went to the Hemisphere Arena. Yeah. first time I was in the Hemisphere Arena, and that set 22,000, right? Yes, sir. You know how many, you know how many people, and, and Tully Blanchard was on top. Mister, no, he couldn't, that, that guy couldn't draw shit in San Antonio. And so, anyway, 800 people. And so, in le- in less than a year, when me and Casey popped that place, we were drawing 22,000 people
0: Thousand. in the
2: Hemisphere Arena. Yeah.
0: Nice. The, 18, I, I got to talk to you. Eddie, you and I need to have a discussion about, um, and I will bring Dan into this, because he's got some interesting thoughts on this. You and I need to talk about, why promoters think that it's a great idea to put their kids in the business? And just, <laughs> shut up, there <Dan. laughs> and, and we need well, to talk about
2: it. Really not, yeah. not to dodge the question, but that's a question you should ask Ron Fuller. Well, I, we did. <laughs> because let me tell you something. The bottom line is it don't matter what what territory they were in, there was either a Fuller or a Welch,
3: Welch yeah.
2: or Jarrett on the card or Golden. There's another name, Golden. Yeah, Jimmy Golden. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So, well, there's a couple names I want to talk to you about because you know these people. Let's okay. talk about a guy that was legendary in the state of Tennessee. A guy All named right. Nick Gulis.
2: Oh, my God. I, I, that's a guy... I chased that son of a bitch. I I went in there, and and and, and oh my God, that Nick Goulis. And it's, what happened with me and Nick Goulish and Greg Brown and and a bunch of other guys were there.
0: I, I'm right. asking you because I know the story. Go ahead.
2: So anyway, why did Nick Goulish to- Eddie? Oh, Tojo right.
0: Yamamoto.
2: Yeah, I wrestled him on top, and it was one of the biggest crowds they ever had. You yeah. know what I mean? We had we killed about eight, almost ten thousand people in Chattanooga at yeah. the uh, pavilion there. You know, at the college. Yeah. And they were supposed to. He was supposed to. I was on a guarantee because because uh, I was sending from Atlanta. Yeah. So he was supposed to pay me three hundred, and then the in the office in Atlanta would pay me the other. Yeah. And that son of a bitch. Gave me a an envelope with forty dollars in it.
1: Oh no! <laughs> I told Dan
2: Eddie, so help the, me God. I, I told my I reached in my Halliburton and grabbed my thirty eight, and I went after his little ass. I chased him right across the stage with like thirty eight. I said, "I'm going to shoot you and your fucking ass, you damn no good bastard." And so
0: okay. now, I chased him, and then I, yeah, go ahead. I I told Dan. That, and, and he didn't believe me. I told Dan that Nick Goulish was notoriously the single cheapest promoter in North America. And on well, top yeah. of that, yeah. let's talk yeah. about Eddie. Let's talk about his son George Goulish. Why did Nick think it was a good idea for his son to be a, a wrestler? And Boy, how,
2: how did I, I don't know. In... I was only I was only around him one time. And that was that that time in Chattanooga. Yeah. And that was that was the biggest abortion you could ever watch. You know, I mean, that, gosh, that was horrible. And and let me let me finish the story. I, I, I got him. And so I made him call the Atlanta office uh, on the phone, collect and leave a message. Right. Yeah. about, he only paid me $40. I had a gun on him. And so
3: I left there
2: and I went over to to this uh, hotel. It was really nice in Chattanooga. And so I had a room there and so I went down and I had a steak dinner and then I went in the bar and I charged my steak dinner to the room and I went and there was a (laughs) bunch of people drinking. I was drinking at the bar and I, I bought everybody rounds and rounds and rounds. I had about a $450 tab and so <laughs> I just I just signed it I just signed it to the room right and so I went on up I had a good night's sleep and, and came down the next morning hey girls hey how you doing oh man I had a great time last night oh blah 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 you know <laughs> and I said hey you know Nick Gullis They so go yeah we know Nick Gullis I said hey you know, he he paid for me to come in here, so you need to send the bill to this this address, and I wrote That's it down for him. That's the story. So yep. the, <laughs> yeah, so I sent him. I heard that about a yeah six hundred dollar bill for for screwing fat city Mansfield. You don't do that to me.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the as one of Dan's favorite subjects: the future. Of wrestling, we we called this show "Wrestling with the Future," and uh, okay, you know, or should we should say, you know, does wrestling have a future? So, Dan, you and Eddie have that discussion.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned earlier, Eddie. I don't know how familiar you are with the current product. Um, you, you you were we were clearly talking about the the flips and the the lucha libre and and the crazy style. Uh, just this week, the highest rated show was 1.4 million, which is laughable numbers, horrible Horrible numbers. Um, and that was something worth celebrating. I'm curious that the WWE has gotten to a point where between merchandise and networking and other things, ratings aren't, don't really matter to profit anymore. They're, they're the worst series of months they've had in years or ever actually for their flagship shows and report a $34 million quarterly growth. Um, or, or I should say annual growth. I'm curious, uh, looking at that is, is that, a, do you, do you believe that to be a sustainable model is wrestling? One of those things that
2: no, as long you as you get that, uh, go ahead. What's happening, Dan, is this, uh, you know, when you're and program, programming, and I'm, a, I'm a television producer. Okay, if I sell a program to a, a, a History Channel, A&E, or, or USA, or uh, CMT, or whoever, uh, or MTV, or whatever, I, I sell that, right, as, as a series. Well, if that series doesn't produce a, a good number, say like a 3.1 or something like that, that's decent.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: you won't be renewed. You'll be a one shot wonder. So you know that's why you see shows go up and down real quick. They they, they are don't have any staying power. Now right. wrestling, I, Now wrestling, and here's where Vince is starting to run into it. Before all this pandemic and all this other stuff, and the, and the, when the product was a lot better, he had ha- higher ratings. He has no stars anymore. There's no stone Cold. There's no uh, (coughs) rock. There's no uh, uh, Shawn Michaels. No Hunter. None of those.
0: Yeah. We were just talking about the characters, Dan. Right. (coughs) Well, they have no characters. They're all vanilla. They all look the same. Exactly.
2: You know, what happened to being cowboys? What happened to Indians? What happened to blonde-headed guys? What happened to all this stuff? Wrestling is not wrestling anymore. He wants it all vanilla where if, if one guy gets hurt, he can just put another guy in with a set of types. Well, that is not the model that needs to be because it's not working. The numbers, right. and, and always remember, all these networks have you know, if if Fox is paying him a billion dollars, which they yeah. are, mm-hmm. he's gonna have to he's gonna have man. to maintain a certain rating or he's gonna have to do buybacks.
0: Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Um, here's the thing. Now I said something the other night when we had Dominic DeNucci on, and it sounded right. funny at the time, but believe it or not, people responded to this. What happened to wrestlers who had hair? On their chest. What happened to wrestlers who looked like wrestlers? Guys like Bulldog Brower, Bruno, Dominic DeNucci, right. Superstar Billy Graham. What happened to the, these guys? They looked like wrestlers. You got kids now that weigh a buck fifty, maybe a yeah. buck seventy, and they're calling themselves, you know, a heavyweight champion. My right leg weighs one seventy. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: Hey, Angelo. But- I was always told this: if you look
2: like the guy in the second row, hit the door.
1: hmm Yeah. Well, now, if, now the wrestlers if, are it, smaller than the guy in the second row.
0: Exactly. That
1: that's my well, point, that's, Dan. That's
2: a, they would never let them into business when I was in it. You know, I was I was two hundred and thirty-five, two forty. Yeah. You know, and and I was in good shape. And yep it's you know, one fifty uh would devastate his ass on TV. I can yeah. tell you that. And yeah, I you
1: mean s- You saw guys back then, Yeah, uh, you know, especially you mentioned the, the the era of the three and four minute matches, you know, uh the 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 mass destroyer against Tim Smith and Tim Smith weighs one fifty, you know he's gonna get killed now it's now we i mentioned this before they were building a character uh up in in nxt as this as the monster heel and he was 511 511 and he's the biggest guy in the ring like you have uh, a takes a lot of flack for that they have uh most of their roster is under 200 pounds and it's it's it hurts the believability when you have guys that don't, and I hate to say it because I'm sure some of them could probably beat me up. You, they don't look like athletes. They don't look like wrestlers. They don't look like fighters. So when I see these two skinny stick fucks beating, you know, pretending to beat the beat each other up, and it looks terrible, it, it hurts. You get uh, back in the day, even your your enhancement talents or your your mid card guys were beefs and i mean i look at like like a paul roma or a hercules hernandez some of these guys who were just just these these monster looking men and they were at the bottom of the card but they still look like athletes they still look like monsters
0: well you don't get dan, you know, to, to your point dan you know look at the you know enhancement talent back in the day right you know that, that I mean, the enhancement talent were were huge. You had guys like Johnny Rods, uh, Ron Shaw, uh, and you know enhancement talent uh, down south like the Mulkey brothers, who were yeah uber over. Right, you know, Eddie, you hey, remember all you, these you people? Know, you, you know, they you were talk, believable. Yeah. Eddie.
2: yeah, and and you know, I had a lot of these guys do jobs for me, and exactly. like Johnny Rod. I'd bring him out to L.A. from New York, right? Yeah. And we'd change his. I'd change. We'd change his name to Java Rook. Yes. And 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 me and me and me and Johnny Rod, he would be because I was I was a top heel in L.A. So I'd put him in my stable along with Bad Bad Leroy Brown, and the Hangman, right? And and then I brought in the Twin Devils, and and so I would have a whole kind of mixture going and leo garibaldi was a great booker himself
0: he was really oh my good. god yes and, yes
2: and so me and leo here's here's how i got some real good information i was sitting on on row three seat 32 i'll never forget this in the olympic auditory me and leo and i looked at leo and i said leo how can i make sure i get over and because, you know, Piper passed the porch to me and I was, you know, I was coming in and and I wanted to get over. It. And and me and Roddy, Roddy, were, you know, me and him got over it together and he was heading to Portland. So it was all mine. And so I asked Leo, he says, well, Ed, he said, I'm going to tell you something. He says, I can give you the finish of a match. And what you do in between the time the bell rings and the finish is going to make sure that you get over and stay over. Yeah. And wiser words were never spoken to me.
0: Absolutely. And he didn't have
2: to say that, but one time, because when yes, that hey, let me tell you something: when you saw me, you got to see something. And, Absolutely. And I worked my butt off. And and I, I left it all in the ring. And so you
0: mentioned uh Jabberuk and Roddy Piper. Were yeah. you there the night that Piper had his one on one with Johnny Rod's aka Jabbarouk? No, I no I wasn't there. I
2: came right after that.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I heard uh that, that Roddy got uh, uh, initiated to the business um the hard way well they broke him in the hard something.
2: way i gotta tell you that johnny Rods. yeah he, he, i did this to them guerrero boys you know they all hell they were giant killers you know and so <laughs> i'm and, and i got johnny Rodson and, and i'll I, and johnny wasn't real crazy about job anyway and i i looked over and i told him i said you know what that mexican said about you and he goes, know what? Oh, shit. He said, "You Puerto Rican guys suck." Oh, you know, oh, shit. and that's all I had to say to Johnny. Is he? Is <laughs> so, he? Hey,
3: oh, hey <laughs>
2: let me tell you something. That Sabo Guerrero was fighting, and scratching for his life the whole
3: match. Oh, <laughs> so, brother!
2: Oh, uh,
3: damn! Johnny,
2: Johnny Rods. Johnny Rod, hey, let me tell you. I was so happy when they put him in the Hall of Fame.
3: Because yeah, amen. Say,
2: Johnny Rod, Johnny Rod is not only a great trainer, but he put over so many guys, him and S.D. Jones put over more guys. Oh, yeah. Than and, and made them legitimate, really stars because he could work. I mean, those guys, both of those guys could work.
0: You and, know, Eddie, they said that I mean, you would know something about this because you were there. Um, they said that if you got past Johnny Rods or S.D. Jones, and you mentioned both of their names, they said if uh-huh. you got past Johnny Rods and S.D. Jones, that you were virtually guaranteed a place on the roster. Is that because well, they I were that? Got, I would have I would have got through
2: both of them easy because I, I beat S.D. Jones in L.A. all the time and and johnny was in my stable in los angeles so yeah. i would probably never wrestle him but if i did uh, it, it would have been a great match because johnny could work and um yeah he was he was one of the most underrated y- you talk about one of the most underrated talents in the business was johnny absolutely. rodriguez
0: absolutely you know yeah
2: it really was
0: yeah you know he um because of where I'm, lo- you know, I'm in the New Jersey area uh, up here in the Northeast, and so we were, right. we had access to to Madison Square Garden, uh, the Philadelphia Spectrum, uh, Baltimore, you know, Civic Arena, um, and because of my proximity to the WWWF, and then of course the WWF, um, right? We were, you know, we had access to these guys virtually every month. Mm-hmm. Because they would come to Philadelphia or, or nearby, you know, just to drive away. Yeah. And then, and then
2: you guys had the, uh, USA network.
0: When, yeah.
2: When I was on Southwest championship wrestling went right into New York.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: And you had, and you had uh Hollywood wrestling from Los Angeles going in there.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
2: The
0: yeah. Oh, the Olympic auditorium. We're actually going yeah. to do a show, uh, Eddie, and you might be interested. Maybe I'll bring you back for this one, too, Eddie. Because um, I'm going to bring you back anyway. Um, we should do a show with you. Because you've wrestled everywhere. We, Dan right. and I are going to do a show on some of the best wrestling venues in the country. Cause well, they, that Olympic
2: the, Auditorium. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That was one of the best. That was, that was one of the best. And and i tell you what. Hemisphere Arena. Uh, in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, great Absolutely. Oh, I mean, we can do a too. whole
0: show, but probably, and you you probably know this, we could do a whole show just on the Sportatorium in Dallas. Well,
2: yeah. and, and don't forget, don't forget the, uh, you know, uh, God, it, 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 the Sam Houston Coliseum and in, in Houston, Paul oh yeah. Bosch. Oh
3: sure and
2: and you know the junction where we shot Ben and you know Southwest championship wrestling i mean yeah. there's there's so many uh you know places that that are really
3: sure.
2: phenomenal
0: and I miss uh, some of them you know some of them old buildings man I tell you what we really need to do a show on some of the great wrestling venues because the buildings in many ways were part of of uh, the uh, the excitement, the part of the promotion, they were part of. Oh, uh, absolutely, like in know? San Bernardino. San Bernardino exactly. had a custom
2: for for wrestling and boxing. San Bernardino, yes. Long Beach, you know, and and you know the Olympic Auditorium, of course. That damn Olympic Auditorium. Legendary. I got stabbed twice there. You know, I got stabbed twice there. That some bitch. I had to walk, you know, back. Back in the day, you'd have to walk all the way down. It was so long. It was a long walk. I
0: know. And so. I've so seen if that you, aisle. If you,
2: if, you, if you had a run in, I'd walk around, and I'd come from the camera angle, right behind the cameras, and I'd run right in and hit the ring where they couldn't see me. Because yeah. they were going to bedstaff <laughs> me, man. They, they, they. Hey, I'll uh, tell you what. Uh, brother, I'll tell play. you what. I, Good I old i Andre the Giant uh, seven times in L.A. And he yes. never beat me because I was a top hill. He'd give me an ass bump. I'd go over top rope and 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 leave, you know. Mm. And so Andre was a good business guy. He said, You can't beat him. He's the one that's is over here. I'm just here for a week. And I worked yes. around. You know, I tell you what, he picked me up and and a and press slammed me one time. And I swear to God, I saw a Mexican drinking a beer. Eating a burrito
0: and shooting me a bird at the same time. <laughs> you know what, Eddie? Let me ask you a question, and this is something that uh, that you and you you and Dan can uh, explore. I'll I'm going to ask you this question, and it just kind of hit me as you were talking. Can wrestling today benefit from a talent exchange program? Like if the WWE and AEW and some of these other groups. You know, decided at you know for the sake of the business to work together r- rather than trying Not to cut happened. each other's
2: it it, it it won't work because uh Vince wants to control everything and and he has NXT now. So NXT is a feeder system for uh the the main company WWE.
1: Yeah, so, it- I'm sorry, go ahead. You know what go I ahead, mean, Yeah. yeah. Well, if, if, uh, also looking at the current product with talent moving, I don't want to say more than they did back in the day because the territory was always, people were always in transit then. Ev, uh, every champion that AEW has right now outside of their women's division was a for, is a former WWE guy. So if they were to swap talent, there would be no new matches back, back in the territory days. You could go from, you know, just, just in Texas, you could go from Amarillo to Austin and 20, you know, thousands of people had never seen you before. Now it's like, I, I yeah. have to talent on AEW. I've seen wrestle ha- the, the, the talent that they probably put him with in the WWE.
2: Yeah. So you, when you mentioned Amarillo, I sold out Amarillo, Texas, one of my proudest sellouts of all time i sold out myself and Tiger Conway Jr. Sold out Amarillo, Texas. Now, you understand that, Mr. Historian? Amarillo, Texas.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. And there wasn't a funk on the card. I was about to say, if you weren't, and that's not just Amarillo, across Texas, if you weren't a funk, of Von Eric, or a Freebird, you didn't sell out at the top of the card anywhere in Texas. Exactly.
2: Bullshit! You're talking to a guy. Well, I, I, I know. Obviously,
1: <laughs> I'm talking to an exception. But I'm that saying that's that was the narrative back then. Oh uh,
2: shit! Yeah. Well, I I proved the narrative sucked. I went in there and sold out everywhere. I went in that damn big ass Baylor University Waco place and sold that sucker slap out.
3: Oh Me, wow, and, me awesome. and the
2: cowboy.
3: Yeah, and the cowboy State shoot.
2: Yeah. Yep. And it, you know, and and. But that was my, and I, and I, every time I tell Terry, every time I talk to Terry, and I talk to him all the time, I say, Funk, I sold out Amarillo without Joe Athen (laughs) Jr. You know? And, you know, and I love Terry. Terry, man, you know, I've known him like I knew Rocky Johnson since I was 19 years old. Yeah. So, you know, I know all them guys, and they were a lot of help to me coming up. You know what's what's different? There's no respect in the locker room. You know, for old timers. Thank you. You know that is uh, that even though. Hey, let me tell you something. Even though I was up on the card as a young kid, let me tell you something. I never ever sat in a chair until every old timer that was on that card had a chair. Ever? Yeah. Now I never would do that. And. And to this day, they don't even know what that means.
0: I know it. Yep. Well, Eddie, I'll tell now you what, brother. This is that's the kind
2: of stuff that that you can go in, in and depth with on on your show, and you know, Dan, the historian, yeah. can can look up. And that's just a little kind of uh, a shred of of knowledge that you can use on on other shows that is missing today.
1: No, you're yeah. you're not the first veteran from your generation that that's told that story a lot of even some of the and and Angela will tell you when we had uh some of the wives on the the oh, yeah. the, the, the women of wrestling have told the same story there's no Respect or admiration in the locker room. Karen McDaniel you know, would would say that you know, back back in the day, everybody would want to talk to Wahoo to help me with this, help me with that. Towards yeah. the end, he'd walk in the locker room, and half the kids in there couldn't even be bothered to look up from their phone. And here's one of the greatest yeah. talents in history standing I in think front of about you. about
0: that. He's not uh, uh, Eddie. He's not he's not working you at all. He's straight shooting. We had the check this show out. You're gonna love this, brother. Karen McDaniel, Barbara Goodish, Bruiser Brody's wife, and Mrs. Mm. Jimmy Snooker on us on mm. the show with us. And I'll tell you what these women were amazing. They did not hold back. They were straight shooting. Um what did, what did Karen say about me? Not a whole lot other than, you know, you always tried to get under Wahoo's skin. What do you mean? Well, I call Karen now and let her explain. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I was Wahoo's guy. No, she, actually, she spoke. She Karen, and they don't tell you, Karen. She speaks so well, and I'm not just just blowing smoke. Karen speaks so well of the of the boys. She really, really does. Wahoo just well, loved loved his guys. Um, yep. He loved the business. He loved the business almost as he as he loved fishing, and he loved to yeah, go let fishing. Me tell you, I'm going to
2: tell you something, Angelo. Yes, sir. Wahoo McDaniel taught me how to be a star, how to live like a star, and do whatever I wanted, just like a star. And that's, that's right. exactly. And and my love for Wahoo, it will be forever. And
0: absolutely, he's one
2: of the greats that, that we've lost, and and it's so sad. That well, I will uh, tell
0: you that, uh, we you think you know what? So Wahoo much-
2: told me in my last conversation with Wahoo, you know, about a, he needed a liver transplant, not a kidney transplant, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and me and him were cutting up. I said, Well, hell, I'll give you one, I don't need but one. He said, Yeah, but you ain't no Indian, and so he said. And he said, "You ever know any Indians got a good liver or a good kidney?" <laughs> I said, "I said no, not really, Wahoo." I said, "I said I, I hate to hear that, you know, I because I you know chief's still funny to me because he we'd always cut up, yeah. And next time you talk to Scott Casey, you know uh, uh, the uh, the chief never called him by his name. Yeah. You know what he used to call him.
0: I I heard um um drawing a blank right now, but I do know that he never called him uh, Scott. I I don't know if it was uh, a cowboy or whether it was that he had some other uh, other nickname. No, he
2: just looked. Hey, motherfucker, get over here! <laughs>
3: <That's>, <laughs> oh shit! That's what he
0: said. That's there what you he go. Said all the time. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. Um, we we are next time you talk you to
2: that. Hey, you you talk to my good friend Cowboy Scott Casey. Be sure I, to ask him what Wahoo used to call him. He'll tell you.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to speak to him tomorrow. But before I do, I, let me do this while I got you here, because I want to okay. bring you back again. Eddie, can I get you back on October the eighth? well can i check
2: uh i gotta go into a production um i can i pencil me down for that and let me see how my schedule is okay and um 'cause I'm going into production in in the next i'm i'm in pre pro right now right so so i'm gonna i'm gonna go in and shoot that i gotta do a christmas special
0: okay and
2: uh so which is
0: I'll you know, have I'll Dan her. pencil that in. Dan, pencil in uh, uh, Eddie for October 8th, and then if we need to to, to change him up, to, then we will. But uh, okay. i I got to have Eddie back on. I really do. I really do. Eddie, I, when you see the video version of this show, which you will get a copy tonight, um, the opening credits of our show, the first face you're going to see, is Wahoo McDaniel. We love Wahoo here, and and oh, cool. uh, and Karen is a, a very very dear friend of the show. Um, I am going to call you tomorrow. I'm going to hit you up for a favor. Okay, what's that? I'll just I'll just tell you right now. I'm going to hit you up for a favor tomorrow. <laughs> so Dan, what do we got bucks? going on? And then we'll, we are, uh, we're we we're going to uh, get some info from Eddie as to what people are. Uh, doing in his uh, realm and uh, where pe- can, people can reach him and how they can contact him. Oh, sure, let's do that now. Let's, so, why don't we do this, Eddie? Where can people get just a hold call, of you? Just if call, they call me esch-
2: tomorrow. Just call
0: me tomorrow. Okay, you got it. Go ahead, Dan. Where can people find us? Uh,
2: well, we're hey, obviously work- because I, I, I usually, I don't, I don't solicit business.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, and,
2: that's fair. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, if they want to find me, they can look on LinkedIn. There you, you go. Know, Eddie Good. Mansfield.
3: Beautiful.
1: Mansfield
2: Entertainment. You know, that's where
1: they can find me. Yes, yeah, sir. Eddie Eddie can be reached at uh, Stosselcansuckit at gmail.com or something like <laughs> there
0: that. There
1: you go. Exactly. Well,
2: I pretty much, you know, if you listen to that Bites Land deal, I, I pretty much told it like it was.
1: Amen. So, yes, sir. Thank you. It's the uh, first. See, no, first I, use, time.
2: I use and and excuse me for using those four-letter words, but I had to quote Wahoo McDaniel what he used for Scott. Oh, Daisy, so. We have
0: no language parameters here, and Dan will tell yes, you sir. we let it we let it flow here.
1: Okay, very much, very much an I, adult I, show. Yeah,
0: That's and Dominic guy. DiNucci has the same vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, God! Well, we love you, Dominic. You
2: see, if, he, if you if to Dominic. Send him my best and, and tell him I love you to death. Hey, that's yes, another sir. Hey, let me tell you another guy you ought to get on. Larry's
0: the Um, actually, if I had a contact number for Larry, I'd call myself. Well, when you call me in the mor tomorrow, I'll give it to you. Yes, sir. Beautiful. That'd be great. Terrific. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, we can uh we can always count on action, story, drama uh suspense intrigue whenever we have the old school guys on that's why i i I tell people keep the new school i'm a product of the old school give me old school every day brother every day yes sir there was never a dull moment never ever so tell people where they
1: can reach us brother well, obviously, we're on YouTube. We can be found on Twitter at Wrestling Future. That's no G, Wrestling Future. We're on Instagram, Wrestling With The Future, and our Facebook group, Wrestling With The Future Podcast, which has blown up in the last two weeks or so, uh, last couple weeks in membership, including a couple more today. Uh, so we are we continue to expand, and uh, we can be found any on social media, and the podcast can be found pretty much anywhere podcasts are downloaded at this point
0: absolutely we are everywhere right now 145 platforms worldwide yes sir craziness craziness
2: and maybe you'll have you'll have have some more listeners when you plug my name
0: believe me well i got news for you the anticipation of your appearance garnered a shitload of heat (laughs) i'll tell you what and I'll, i'll tell you straight shoot the two names that got me more heat than anything, Eddie Mansfield and B. Brian Blair. Oh, really? Yes, sir. And I don't Brian know Blair. why on Brian. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. I mean, you know. Yeah. He likes you I mean, We talked about you. He likes you a lot. Daddy? Yeah, no, yeah. you guys are close. I know that.
2: Yeah. And so. I can't believe he's getting heat. He's baby-faced. I know. I know.
0: Mm. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, all
2: you got to do is mention my name. You're going to get some damn heat.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I know it, brother. <laughs> Please. Right.
2: But but so. that's all right. Hey, tell him a continental lover sends his best. I but
0: sure will, brother. I all sure your will.
2: listeners, hey, may God bless you guys, keep you healthy, and keep your families all your listeners, families, healthy. And Amen. thank you for having me. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Eddie. Eddie Mansfield, right. everyone. Good night. Good Eddie. Good night, Take everybody. Care. That was beautiful. I love that interview. That was a great yes,
3: interview. Yes,
0: sir. Um, so uh, filling in the week coming up, Dan, we've got... Uh, Tuesday night one of our favorite people joins us like another guy another guy old school guy that's never never short of a story our friend the superstar superstar Bill Dundee
1: yes sir He'll
0: be here Tuesday uh let's see Thursday night of next week uh, who do we have oh, we got so much going on right now oh my goodness who do we got come we oh we have um October 1st, I don't know if I mentioned this to you uh, or not, but uh, October 1st, Dan the Man, we've got Butch Reed, Hacksaw Butch Reed, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. The Natural, will be with us October 1st. I wasn't sure if I had told everybody that. Um, Eddie Mansfield, of course, was uh, with us tonight. A lot of feedback, by the way, uh, from our episode with Stephen Plim. Stephen Plym, the, uh, the manager of Tiny Tim, got a ton of feedback, and he is actually coming back for his third appearance. Now, so this guy's going to have, like, his own mini series on our network, I swear. Um, but uh, September 29th, uh, we are going to have superstar Bill Dundee. I can't wait for that one. And then, as I said, October 1st, can't mm-hmm. believe it's the end of the month already. That's crazy.
1: I think it's fitting too. Uh, Bill Dundee, being the longest tenured friend of the show, we have to be the anniversary episode. The guest on our anniversary episode,
0: absolutely. And we are going to talk about the last uh, the last year of our show, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna st- share some stories about Jeff the Ref, who will always, and I promised his family, he'll always be a part of the show. He always was and always will be, and we'll never ever forget Jeff the ref. Yes, sir. Um, we are represented by the smartest man in the room who was one of the ref's friends. And you know, let me tell you something you had to be damn smart to be able to fill them shoes because he knew
1: that that man every- was a walking wrestling encyclopedia. Do you know, that?
0: in fact, that's where I used to call him. I used to call him the Encyclopedia Britannica of pro mm-hmm. wrestling. The guru who knew. The
1: guru who knew. I remember yep. that. Yes. Yep. If, if wrestling was a category, Jeff would be on my trivia team in a heartbeat.
0: Oh, my God. Are you kidding? He would be first round draft. <laughs> Straight first, shoot. First, oh first overall pick I'll without tell you question. What. It's funny, you know, I uh, just as a personal note, you know, sometimes I sit here and I watch, you know, episodes of our show and I critique it. and, And very often I go and there's an episode that Jeff is on and it's really hard to sit through an episode with Jeff knowing that like that gravelly voice is not here anymore. It's hard. It still affects me it, it it affected me profoundly Because I spoke to him Less than an hour Before he passed away
1: That's right, you were, which if was, I remember correctly You were the last phone call that he, he had
0: Yeah and Which is, you know It still makes me Does one of these jobs, you know I can understand that Yeah, it's craziness You never know, man, life is funny You never know hmm. That's why I quit smoking that's one of the reasons I stopped smoking That's one of the reasons I uh, dropped the psychic from mine I'll tell everybody now Because people have asked how come you dropped the psychic I'll tell you why I have given up my calling I'll just address it right now I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior And I have given up that craziness That I did for so so many years and uh, stop smoking, I want to live longer, and, uh, you know, I pay tribute to my friend Jeff the ref, so I drink my coffee and water instead of smoking a cigarette. Anybody that's watched some of our old episodes, I'm going to show you something. Well this is my coffee cup. Okay, can you see that, Dan? Yes, sir. I'll move, I'll move the mic out, okay? That's a 24-ounce cup. Mm-hmm. I used to drink 40s a day. Mm. Now I drink decaf. Same. Yeah. Decaf. Decaf. And water. And I've lost weight. Good and for my you. diabetes has gone down. And I don't smoke anymore. And I don't eat anymore. I have the same appetite, the same level of food. The only difference now is after dinner I can't light up. Yeah. You know, after, that's the hardest part, though. After you eat a meal, you want to fire up a smoke and kick back and put your feet, Now I just crack open the bottle. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I miss you, Jeff. I'll tell you what, brother. We're going to pay tribute to you, brother. Dan the man. Enjoy the weekend coming up. It's going to be a warm one here in New Jersey, brother.
1: Yeah, hopefully the weather improves for both of us.
0: Amen. For Dan, the man, Sebastiano, the smartest guy in the room. Always the happy haberdasher. I'm Angelo DeCipio. We'll see you next week. Same time. Same same bat time. Same bat state. <laughs> it's Wrestling with the Future on YouTube. You know where to find us, folks. Happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WRESTLINGFUTURE for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com And wrestling with the future, going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com. And the Lawnmower 3.0, your boss will thank you. And so will we.